Let's pray. God, we ask that once again you would take our time around your word and bring about that change which only you are able to do in our hearts and minds, in our community, in each of our lives. This we pray in the name of Christ. Amen. In 1982, Sister Helen Brigeon, a Roman Catholic nun, started a correspondence with Elmo Patrick Saunier, who happened to kill two teenagers and be sentenced to life, even death, in the electric chair in the Louisiana State Penitentiary. This was an odd relationship, and yet it was written up in the book, bestseller, Dead Man Walking, in which uh, Sister Helen described this relationship, starting with correspondence, then visits, and a lot of intervention and hard work right up to Patrick's death. But it also laid out her disagreement with the way we here in America are doing the death penalty. She felt through her study and experience of it, that it was an immoral practice. And so I was moved by this book and found that even the title, Dead Man Walking, intrigued me. Dead Man Walking comes from a, a term that the guards in prison would cry out, Dead Man Walking, whenever they'd pull a person off death row out of their cell and walk them down the hallway in a way to both alert everybody that although this person is walking in the eyes of the law, he's already dead. Dead man walking. When I read to the end of John 11 and saw in my mind's eye Lazarus coming out of the tomb, I thought, dead man walking. It's a different kind of a walk, certainly a different kind of dead man but I love the connection of these two great stories. I wish we had time to go into the full story of John 11. We saw it, we heard it, and you'll have to take it home with you. Um, I've often spent time in this chapter. It has been one of my favorite funeral texts, as you can imagine, just the, the grief, the experience of Christ and his words of affirmation. Uh, this is a wonderful text for the grieving. It's also one of the great I am statements in the book of John. You can't study the Gospel of John without coming to chapter 11 and focusing on I am, the resurrection, and the life. Key to the whole book. But this morning, what I'd like us to do is go to the very end of the story and just look for a little bit at the very miracle itself, the raising of Lazarus. As a parable, if I may take you along as a parable of our own salvation story. Let's put ourselves in Lazarus' place. It's interesting in looking at the paintings of Vincent van Gogh. He did the raising of Lazarus, and I found this week that he actually painted a self-portrait in the face of Lazarus. He knew that Lazarus' story was in many ways his story. And so I would like us to enter into it much the same way. Ephesians 2 says, 
to the believers of that early church that even when we were dead in our sins, God made us alive in Jesus. Even when we were dead in our sins, God made us alive in Christ Jesus. So let's look at the Lazarus story through that lens, if you will. Dead in our sins. When the story begins, Lazarus is not dead. He's ill, must have been seriously ill, and very quickly he died. He was four days dead and buried by the time Jesus arrives on the scene. The rabbis in the first century would teach that the living soul of a person would stay around the dead body for three days and then depart. And so in a way, Lazarus being dead four days is to make the point that he was really dead. He was fully dead. In fact, Martha gives us a little bit too much information as far as I'm concerned when she says, you know, there's already a bad odor. I mean, that's the harsh reality. There's already decay, decomposition. I can say in light of many of our own personal griefs that physical death is not a pretty thing. We can dress it up in a casket, but it's just not pretty. And I would like to say, nor is spiritual death. Spiritual death is not a pretty thing, but we need to face it this morning and, and confess it. For the Bible does say we're dead in our sins. And it goes right back to the early chapters of God's Word when we realize that God told Adam that in the day you disobey, the day you eat of that fruit of that tree that I'm prohibiting, in that day you will die. We know Adam and Eve took that fruit, and they didn't die physically right away. They lived quite a few years. So what kind of death did they experience? Friends, it was a spiritual death. It was a death in their open and intimate relationship with the God who created them. And that was broken. And they're on the run, and you can sense that brokenness. So that all the way down through history to the... To this day, every human being that's born, even though they're starting physical life, they're born spiritually dead. That is the harsh reality of God's word. We are separated and alienated from God. The very deepest, most important part of who we are as human beings, our spirit, is dead to the most important entity in all of reality, God himself. There's a brokenness. And so we shouldn't be surprised when we or anybody else shows no interest in God, no interest in his word, no interest in prayer, no interest in, in church. That shouldn't surprise us because in many ways we're, we're flatlined. We have no interest in God. We have no power to do anything about it. We are, are dead. I know that's not the only message you came for this morning, but that's a reality we need to face in the Lazarus story. 
we're dead. Dead in our sins. And God wants us to see that first. But I was intrigued in going back over the story and saying, what was Jesus doing? What do we learn about Jesus while Lazarus is dead? I need a little encouragement here. And what we learn in the story, if you're paying attention, is one, Jesus loves Lazarus. Even though he delays, he loves him. He loves his sisters. That's so clear in the story. Secondly, he comes close. Even risking his own life, he comes to the funeral. And then also, I, I can't help but get beyond the, the emotions. Jesus is disturbed. He's deeply moved, greatly disturbed. He weeps. He's engaged in this event. He is not aloof. And all of a sudden, I, I start to realize while, while we're dead, this is where God is. We're dead. God is alive. He loves us. He comes close in Christ, came close, laid down his life for our sins that have broken this relationship with him. And he aches to have us come close back into intimate relationship with him. He cries. He longs for that. That's an image of God that I need to see even while experiencing a bit of the bad news of our deadness. There's the good news of a God who loves us and lives to repair the relationship. So what is Lazarus going to do in such a predicament? What's he going to do to get himself out of this desperate state that really represents all humanity? Well, I'll tell you very simply. Nothing. Dead people can do nothing. He is powerless. There is no thing that Lazarus can do to repair his situation. He can't do it. Even those he loves around him can do very little. In the story, I like the fact that they are asked by Jesus to move the stone away. Keeps him active. They can unwrap Lazarus from his grave clothes, and it gives him something to do. But only Jesus can give life to a dead body. Only God is able to enliven what is flatlined. Only Jesus can help Lazarus. Lazarus, the very name means God is my help, not I am my own helper, not some of these other people around me are my helpers. God is my helper, and God alone can bring the dead to life. This is the ultimate miracle in the Gospel of John. And he intends it to be the very miracle that shows the ultimate power of Jesus Christ and, and actually the act that will put him on the cross. It is the resurrection at the very core of God's ultimate plan for all humanity. The last word is not death. The last word is resurrection life. And so we look forward to that. But we not only look forward to it, Jesus is saying, right now, in the present, right here, right now, even in this room, Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And in the face of whatever ever death we're experiencing, he's the only one 
who can bring life out of you. He is the resurrection and the life now and here. And so when we come to the end of the story, we recognize that this is, this is our story. This is our story of salvation. We were dead in our sins, and God made us alive in Christ. That's what Ephesians 2 says. Romans 6 says it a little differently. The wages or the consequences of sin is death. But the gift, the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Only Jesus can bring life out of what is dead. Only Jesus can raise Lazarus. Only Jesus can raise you and me from the deadness that sin has brought in our lives. So this morning, as we come to the table, I want you to be able to enter the reality of, of our own deadness, to recognize that without Jesus, we're all spiritually dead, alienated, separated from God, who loves us and seeks us and wants to give us life. Some of us may need to hear his call for the first time. Is he called Lazarus? Maybe he's calling your name. Come out. And he's calling you to new life in him. Some of us may look back to a time when, when he called our name and, and we came out. And we can celebrate that around this table. Some of us, I believe, may be thinking of loved ones who are really not sure where they're at spiritually loved ones who are dead, as far as we know, spiritually to their relationship with God. Maybe at communion we want to be thinking, praying for them. I would suggest maybe even being available ourselves to, to remove whatever stones or whatever grave clothes might be in the way of the miracle that God is able to do and only able to do. So I, I would encourage you, regardless of where you are, in your coming to life and faith in Christ, I would encourage you to hear these words. I am the words of Jesus. I am the resurrection and the life. Those who come to me, who believe in me, will live spiritually even though they die physically. And everyone who lives physically and believes in me, will never die spiritually. Wonderful words. I am the resurrection and the life. But I also love the question he asked right after that. He asked it of Martha, and he asked it of each one of us. Do you believe this? I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? Let's pray. God, in the quiet of this moment, would you call out our name and listen, even see and watch our response.
pray, God, that where there is death, there will be life. Where there's despair, there might be hope. Where there's darkness, light. Would you bring your resurrection life to work in our lives, even this day? As we now turn to the table and the one who brings us resurrection life, Christ himself.